Hi, uh, welcome to GAY and UNY, Gay in Upstate New York. Uh, my name is James Norris, and this is my podcast. Uh, you probably noticed the music in the beginning was a little different. The music that I normally use, the transition, uh, they don't have anymore for some reason. It's been a while since I last recorded because of, you know, because of some reason they took, they replaced it with something else. So I hopefully I you like the new jingle or whatever it is. Um, I just want to kind of give you guys an update um, in regards to healing. Um, I think I'm doing pretty good. My not using my cane anymore um, to walk around or get around. I'm walking on my own. Um, it definitely has been an interesting process. Um, not alone just the physical, you know, what it physically feels like for the, my need to heal, but also, I guess, emotionally too, because I think they are connected and go hand in hand. Um, you know, I hit some major milestones for myself in regards to this healing process. And, you know, in regards to physically, you know, not using the cane anymore was a big deal. Um, and was definitely a milestone for me. Um, I still have trouble going down the stairs, <laughs> but I still go to PT and I still am plugging away at it. And I know I eventually will get to where, you know, hopefully I won't feel any different than I did before, maybe just feel better. Um, that's the goal. Um, it's very strange. Like the last time I did one, did one of these, so I think it was last month and my knee was definitely in constant pain. There's a dull ache and a dull pain that kind of resonates there, right there around the joints. And, um, that's switched and changed, uh, to more of a tightness where it feels like almost like the muscles and are kind of tightening around the new joint um, feels very strange. It's more, it's more numb and um, less pain. If you hear growling in the background, that is my dogs playing for some reason. They decide to play when I'm recording. So if you hear growling, they're not gremlins. It's Harper and Shadow. Um, but I, I did something like this past week. Um, where I thought was was a really big accomplishment for me because I went my when I was at PT my physical therapist said you know it would work you might want to might want to try climbing because she asked me if I'd used to, if I use a rope and I said yes I use a rope when I top rope and she goes well why don't you give it a shot so um, I texted my friend and asked her if she would climb with me if she wanted to climb and she said absolutely um, she's the person I usually climb with she's a great supporter of me. Um, and a great friend. And so I went and I not knowing what to expect because I didn't, it's hard to, I guess my only goal was to see if I could do it. And I was nervous even driving to the gym, <laughs> you know, it's a good 30 minutes to the gym. So me driving there, you know, trying not to overthink it, trying to just be present. And when I got there, you know, the same, and they, the same kind of people were that were there on a Tuesday night were always there. Um, I saw them, gave them updates and, um, and when I was, you know, I put my shoes on and looked, stared at that wall and started out with the 25 feet, 25 foot wall and, um, wasn't sure where it was going to go. Um, but no, but I did have to practice my knots a few times to get it back into, into the, to get back in the swing of things, pun intended. Um, so I, uh, I did. I looked at the wall and, and I started to climb and it, and I just, 
is very strange because I didn't know if I was going to be able to push my body weight up with that knee and that leg. And um, I was able to do it. Certain moves I couldn't do, but I got my ass up that I got my ass up that wall uh, four times that night, uh, which I was really proud of. And the first time climbing, I, you know, I almost remember every breath because I was definitely re reminding myself to breathe and to have straight arms and to um, and not to pull and, uh, you know, and not to grip too hard on the grips. And um, and I remember looking down at my feet and kind of being somewhat out of body, not realizing you know, like, oh, wow, I'm actually doing this. I'm doing this. And, um, and it was just uncertainty after uncertainty. It was just, I felt very present in that moment. And when I got to the top, I could feel the tears on my, you know, on my cheeks because I didn't think I was going to be able to do that. And it's something so simple. It's just, you know, it's just a random series of movements with my arms and my legs and my core. Um, and having been not, you know, having been limited, you know, mobile, uh, <laughs> having been limited in regards to movement and walking, um, and being able to climb that wall for the first time was pretty amazing and felt pretty amazing, you know, repelling down and, <sighs> and continue to do it for the night. And I went back on that, that next Sunday too. And I plan to go back this Sunday. Um. It was a pretty big moment for me, and I um, and I forgot how much I loved doing it, and how what a simple act it was, you know. Literally, <laughs> and the metaphor never escapes me when I'm on the wall, um, especially because I don't still don't really completely love heights. Because um, Sunday when I went back, we went on the fifty foot wall, and I didn't make it up the fifty foot wall uh, because my stamina is not where it was. Um, but I don't know if I was in my own head. So I'm definitely checking myself and saying, okay, so maybe I was psyching myself out to not go to that top of the wall because I, you know, that fear of heights is still in the back of my mind. And I'm, st when I'm still up there 35, 40 feet and I look down, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. That's a long drop, but I am connected to a rope and safe. So, <laughs> um, but I was pretty proud of that. And that first night I went back there and it was, it was good. Like the, you know, just the atmosphere, um, the level of support that I had. Um, and the lack of, I don't want to say the lack of fear, but my disregard for that fear. Cause I knew I was going to try it regardless, no matter what I was going to try to climb. Um, and I think that was a big lesson for myself in regards to, you know, when I overthink things, when things, when I get too much in my head and try to step out of my own head. Um, <clears throat> and I've been, you know, in this healing process, I took a vacation. I took a week and I went out to camp with the dogs and I definitely, I got a day where no one was around and it was just me and the dogs and I hung out in the hammock and, um, it was nice. It was nice to be with my family. Um, and be around people, you know, be around the people that I know the most and um, know the best, you know. Sometimes I have to admit, sometimes I find myself sitting, you know, in the group because I have a big family. So I sit in that big group of people sometimes and I, um, ah, I'm very, it's going to sound a little bit strange, but I don't know if you guys have ever felt this way when you're sitting with a big group of people who know you fairly well. And um, you still feel a little isolated. You feel like you're definitely there, but not really there. 
Um, I felt myself being like that a few times, which I clocked myself a few times and tried and definitely got out of my own head. But I definitely, you know, that idea where sometimes you just feel lonely when you're surrounded by people. And I don't know if, that's not a good thing or a bad thing. I think that's just the way it is sometimes for me. That's all I can speak about. Um, I think because I am so used to being alone a lot all the time. And sometimes when I'm surrounded by a large group of people, it's, you know, and all these people I know, you know, I love all these people and they love me and I, we have a great relationship, but sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it's not enough. Um, You know, and that's, and maybe that's where dating comes in or maybe that's, you know, where friendship comes in, but I'm not sure. Definitely don't have all the answers or any of the answers. Um, but I definitely, you know, I felt, I felt lonely at times and I do feel lonely at times um, or I just feel alone or maybe those are two different feelings, which they probably are. Um, but in the meantime, I have been, you know, talking to guys and going on dates, which is fun, meeting different guys, um, you know, seeing movies, going out to dinner. Um, and it's very strange. Like I stopped trying to sell myself so much, like, especially because when you live in upstate, you know, upstate New York, you're, it's pretty rural. So you're my, my only real, cause I'm not a bar person and I don't drink a lot. So I'm not good at the bar. I don't like to go out to bars. So my only real option is, you know, either someone sets me up with someone or, or I go online and I do the app, I do, you know, Tinder or match or something like that. But I definitely meet some um, interesting characters. Uh, Tinder is definitely a crazy world. It's more safe, I think, than Grindr. Um, definitely more safe than Grindr. Uh, <laughs> Grindr is definitely more in your face. If you know what I mean, you'll definitely just get pictures, um, no words, just pictures. And you're supposed to somehow, uh, kind of reminds me of, you know, somehow interpret, oh, this is what this person wants. So, okay. Um, but I learned to say up front what I'm looking for, what I want or what I value really when trying to meet a guy. Um, well, I got a message from when I was up at camp, I got a message from a guy who, uh, offered me a thousand dollars a week to be my sugar daddy. Um. I don't, I didn't, I was going to ask him if health insurance was included, but I just said, no, thank you. Um, I was flattered, but I guess he's uh, messaged other people before, but he hasn't offered to pay them a thousand dollars a week. So I was flattered. Um, but I think I gross more than that. Um, and I think that's really a dangerous situation. If someone's going to pay me to be my sugar daddy, I don't even know you. That's the first line. You have to, that's your pickup line. I mean, it might work for some people, but, um, definitely interesting. Um, and I think the, sometimes the big relief sometimes with, with, you know, you know, with dating guys that usually just tell you up front what they want, what they're looking for. You know, if they just want to roll in the hay, if they just want sex, they'll just tell you that. And then you're like, well, I'm not looking for that. Sorry. And then they unmatch with you and, or just, or just go away, which is nice at times, but sometimes just the, sometimes the bombardment of the un you know, the emotionally unavailable, you know, I want to hook up and that's it. It can get to be monotonous at times. It can get to be overwhelming at times, especially if you're like myself, I'm looking for something real um, or something more than just a hookup, uh, like a relationship eventually, um, or just a good few dates um, and go from there.
I guess in regards to emotionally, you know, there are those moments where I feel alone and dating is definitely can be, you know, can be a, a competence killer or, um, mess with your emotions, um, or mess with my emotions, I should, I should say, but I think emotionally, um, my emotional healing is doing is, is, you know, is progressing. I think, um, you get to a point after you've been in a relationship where, you know, you can listen to certain songs again, you can listen to the radio and, you know, if a certain song is fine, you're like, I'm not listening to this. Um, but now, you know, I kind of switch, I say, you know, I'm not afraid of listen of a, if a song comes on, it reminds me of that, uh, you know, of that person or something, or if it's a sad song, I don't turn it off anymore. I just kind of, you know, let it, especially if it's a good song, I'm going to listen to it. And that definitely is a, something I noticed driving up to camp. Um, cause it's a good 45 minutes and I enjoy that time in my car and I turn the radio way up. Um, and music is definitely, I think, part of the healing process. And it's almost a marker for me sometimes. If I'm really upset, I don't want to listen to music. But once I'm in the healing process, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, I uh, the certain songs come on and music kind of, you know, that soundtrack will, you know, lead me further, you know, further down the road to healing or to feeling better. Um, and it definitely goes hand in hand with the physical. Um, and I probably have said, um, a lot because I'm out of practice in doing the podcast. So I apologize. I think the state of everything going on, I guess, in our country sometimes worries me. I, um, I, I worry for the future of a lot of people and I worry for, you know, my LGBTQIA brothers, sisters, and people, um, and family in other states where they're starting to take steps to delegitimize them or erase them. Um, and some people may say I am overreacting when I, you know, when I see the news and I read all the, the articles about what's going on in Florida and Texas, but I, the, the threat is there and the people are more emboldened, I think, to, um, to ridicule and to erase um, us, um, and, and particularly, you know, I think the next big target of the bigots in the, uh, in the, of the world there is unfortunately the trans community. And, um, this idea that, um, pe that, you know, the LGBTQIA people are grooming children is ridiculous and it infuriates me having worked in child welfare and it's so insulting to the people that were or that have been abused um throwing around that term uh like it's nothing or that you're using that term to demonize a whole population of people that have been invisible for so long um and had horrible things happen to them and fought for their rights and literally fought for them and people have died and it's just so disrespectful um, and disheartening at times when I read the news or I'm watching the news or I'm watching TikTok, which I probably should not be going down those rabbit holes on TikTok, but God bless you if you're not on TikTok, but I am. And sometimes I go down that rabbit hole and I just keep scrolling and I'll, it'll just, you know, I think the algorithm gives me video after video and I just go down it. And then I go on Google and I look up to make sure what I'm, they're telling me is actually going on. Um, 
but I don't think that they're going to erase us. I don't think that that visibility is going to go away. We fought too hard and people are not going to just disappear um, as much as people don't want to see people. I um, got into a discussion with some family members in regards to my own queerness and that what that effect has had on them, I guess, or how they, how it's changed people's, you know, minds of how, you know, when someone says something about someone who's gay and they think of me and then they compare that, uh, why is this person dislike these people so much? And my so-and-so is gay, Jamie's gay. So why is that wrong? And I totally respect that. And I would think the same thing. And I, sometimes I, we got into a discussion about, you know, trans kids. And then all of a sudden people started bringing up kids, people that kids that identify as cats and animals and almost like saying all this other stuff was, you know, to a point where, oh, well, it, it distracts them from the original topic was, you know, cause they wanted to talk about politics. So I said, let's talk, you know, I wanted to talk about politics and the idea that, just because you spew this certain stuff or you've heard this rumor or you've heard, Oh, they're doing this now. They have to accept kids as cats. That doesn't erase that. That doesn't give anyone any, an excuse to erase anyone's transness or anyone's queerness. Um, and I think people are so scared of stuff they don't understand. And that you know, our differences really do make us stronger. And especially if you see them or you see us, you see the differences and acknowledge them and embrace them. Um, I think when people are scared of it and they have this idea that everyone's pushing stuff, pushing this agenda on them. No, it's just because we're being, we're visible. We exist more. We're out there. It's not something you whisper in the shadows. It's, you know, if I'm going to be if I have a husband and I have a family, you're going to meet them. And that's going to be part of the discussion. And it's going to be that, if, you know, if, a part, if I am trans, it's going to be part of the conversation. It's going to be part of my life. And it's, I guess I try to be an advocate, I try to be, a, I don't want to say a spokesperson. I try to talk to people to try to understand where they're coming from. And sometimes it's just, disheartening um, because I think they're so scared and they don't understand. And if they would just be willing to open up a little and understand, they might, you know, it might not be so scary. You know, I was raised to be straight. Everything I taught was man, woman, man is masculine, woman is feminine. And I was a sissy. I was one of those kids. I wore dresses with my sisters. I played dress up. I danced in the living room wearing, you know, my mom's old prom dress with my sisters. And I had no shame back then. You know, I was taught shame, obviously, like, like the rest of us. Um, but being a sissy, being feminine, being those gender norms and gender expressions, um, are meant to be bent and do not just exist on one side or the other. They're fluid and they move. 
because masculine and feminine and in between or non-binary is part of all of us, believe it or not. I really believe that. Um, and not to say that I, you know, I am a gay cis man and I, my gender expression is mainly male, mas more masculine. Um, and maybe I'm afraid to express my more feminine side, but I definitely, it's comes out. Um, and I think that's also based on who's around me at the time too. I think being gay in upstate New York, you know, when, you know, when you can clean out a little or be a little, you know, be a little more feminine because it, it's safer there. Um, because if you are that way at the wrong wrong place and wrong time, you get your ass kicked. And that's just kind of the reality that I live in. And I grew up around, um, it's changing now. I, it is changing people. We are more visible. I am optimistic. So don't, I don't mean to be all doom and gloom, uh, for God's sakes, because <laughs> it's been a while since I've been on here and I've been going talking for longer than I probably normally do. But, um, I did not make a, I don't know if I, I don't know if I said this in my last podcast, but happy pride people and be proud. Um, because I am, and I'm proud of all of you and keep doing what you're doing. If you know anyone that's struggling with being LGBTQIA, they can reach out to the trevorproject.org or itgetsbetter.org. Or if someone is having suicidal ideations, they can now dial 988, the new uh, number for the National Suicide Lifeline. Um, thank you for listening, everyone, and be kind to each other. Thanks.